Good evening. My name is Shalisha Bino, and this is The Exchange. It is a show that focuses on immersive topics, sensational stories, and illuminating interviews. Tonight, we will be speaking with master storyteller and director, Mr. Durante Smith. So, it's such a pleasure to have you in today. Yes, yes, thank you. Uh, it's pronounced Marchionettes, is, is that correct? Um, yes, yes. My full name is Shalisha Bino. Um, however, I am well known as Marchionettes um, in my authorship name, so yeah. But it's, it's, again, such a pleasure to have you here on The Exchange. So my first question would be, what is the biggest surprise that you have encountered in your career and why? Okay, so I think the biggest surprise would be um, years ago, I had an opportunity to um, do a series of uh, PSAs for uh, college back home, big college back home. And um, they they had some some big um, entertainers that were attached to the project. So I think there were five of them. And uh, one of the guys was Johnny Depp. Now that's, I'm from Kentucky and that these were all, um, major talent that came from Kentucky. And so one of the talent was Johnny Depp. And uh, yeah, that was uh, that was interesting because um, it was well, first off, the experience was different than what I was I, I would have expected. I was young at the time. Now I'm 49. But the time I was uh, probably I was in my 20s, maybe about 24, something like that, 23. Um, and the, the, the experience was that he was actually really gracious. Um, that was the biggest surprise to me is that he was really gracious. Um, he didn't he didn't roll around with an entourage. It was none of that. It was you know we had this really small budget production for this university for this series of PSAs. Mm -hmm. um, it was for uh, it's an anti smoking campaign um, for for babies. So trying to discourage parents from smoking around their kids, you know. Yeah. And um, yeah, so he came in. He had a really you know really. Um, it was a positive experience. He had a really good attitude. He wasn't like anything like I would have expected him. You know, I thought he'd be probably like a jerk or something like that. But, you know, he was it was it was actually a really good experience. And on top of that, he actually gave me some really strong words of encouragement when I was, you know, when everything was wrapping up. He was it was short. I mean, it wasn't like a long shoot. It was maybe he was there maybe an hour, two hours, about an hour and a half, something like that. But his his point being was he was just like, look, man, this is a tough industry. He's mm -hmm. like, you know, keep at it. He's like, you, you know, you're really just getting started in your career. He's like, you seem to have a really good vision for what you do and just really keep at it. And, you know, those kinds of things mean a lot when you're young and you're really just impressionable, just, just getting started, you know? Yes, yes, of course. Sam's very, very um, inspirational. And he's someone who they say do have like a very humble beginning. So he's more like just Johnny as opposed to, you know, being that big old celebrity that's going to hold his nose up to the ceiling and shove you to the side. So that's really awesome. Very good. And um, can you name a word or phrase that has a very powerful or relevant uh, meaning? in the entertainment industry today? Uh, a word that came to mind for me is fortitude. Um, I think a lot of folks don't really re recognize just the amount of, you know, uh, fortitude that's required to to stick stick to it with this. You know, it's, uh, mm -hmm. it's a marathon. You know, it's, you know, people think you get into it and, you know, a lot of people flood, you know, flood uh, out to LA or to Atlanta now. And you know, they come here thinking that they're gonna get all this immediate success or, you know, yeah, that it's not like that. You know, it's you just really have to grind, really have to keep at it. 
you have to make the relationships. And again, like, again, to me, the best sport is probably 42. Gotcha. Gotcha. Having that endurance, that commitment, most importantly, that patience, you know, because that's something that really escapes people. Um, yes. Like you mentioned, they assume that they're going to be, become millionaires or James Cameron's overnight, but it's definitely a process. And thank God you stuck with it. Look how far you've come and everything that you achieved. It's, it's breathtaking. And I think you will be like just one of those people to really inspire someone else and um thank you appreciate that oh yeah of course of course just uh taking the time to come into the exchange we are truly grateful here and just hearing about your story um it's so immersive it makes us feel as if we are a part of that story so and um what changes in film helped to shape your perspective about the industry and was this change negative or positive well, so I'm not like your typical modern day filmmaker, meaning that I've been at this for a very long time, you know. Uh -huh. um, so now these days, you know, you can have an iPhone and be a filmmaker. I mean, literally, you know, um, <laughs> and that, there's nothing wrong with that. But, I, but my point being is, is just that, you know, when you don't have access to that quality of equipment, right, you mm -hmm. don't have access to the types of editing software and all that stuff today. Right. When I started, it wasn't like that. So I started in 90, 98. And mm -hmm. I remember, you know, this is back during the, what they say, the, um, the, uh, it was non digital, right? The, the, uh, linear Films, age, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. When it, everything was still cut, cut, cut on film, right? Oh my God. Yeah. So, you know, folks, you know, folks these days, they have really, they literally have no idea. Now, granted, at that time, we were, they were just, in the stage within a few years that they would be moving over from film to then what would what become uh, beta, then what would become, you know, uh, mini DV, you know, all that stuff. Right. So that's how we actually made the transition over to to what's now digital. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, is that, you know, back back in that time, you know, it, it, it required money, you know, it required it required resources to, to actually make a, a project that looked worth anything. You know, mm -hmm. um, and so I mean, it, it's it was just, it's just a different time, and the thing I've I've seen to me that has impacted the industry the most is that shift. It's the shift from, you know, I talked to um, uh, the guy died, um, Van Peebles, uh, Melvin Van Peebles. I remember I met him and Mario, his son, um, at a conference one time, right? Mm -hmm. And at the conference, what he talked about, Mel, they were both on stage, you know, they're both well-known um, black directors, mm -hmm. um, Melvin being the dad, and he's the one that really was one of the uh, big, you know, one of the big um, artists or, you know, the, 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 the creators for us mm -hmm. of that lane, right? Um, and then his son came along and followed, but he talked about, you know, how when he started, what people did not understand is number one, you have to invest in yourself. Nobody is just gonna up and just give you money, right? And number mm -hmm. two, work with what you have, right? That was one of his biggest things during that conference that he talked about, right? And then I went up to him after I was talking to him about it. He's like, look, look, young man. He's like, you know, the biggest mistake we make, we write these movies that we that require millions of dollars for a budget. Nobody's gonna go out and give you a budget for a million dollars or $20 million if you've never proven yourself, if you've never proven anything, right? And mm -hmm. so for me, I've always, you know, I always took that to heart. Well, what happened is when you had that transition from, you know, from uh, uh, from linear to, to, to film, mm -hmm. 
I mean, to uh, to digital, mm-hmm. it get, it gave us now the ability to go out and what practice. Because the reason why these guys in Hollywood, the, the way that they can always get ahead is they're constantly practicing their craft, mm-hmm. right? They they get paid they get paid to do this. If you don't have to go and work at you know work at your regular nine to five job, and if you could just dedicate your time and your energy into practicing your craft, you would become good too. You would become that person too, right? Mm-hmm. So you know what what what's happened is is the digital age has given us the opportunity, the ability to go out and be able to practice the craft. It's just unfortunate that I think most people take it for granted. You know, so we mm-hmm. have now the power of an iPhone. I have an iPhone 13 Pro Max. Mm-hmm. That thing shoots, qual- the quality of, of images that thing shoots is 99.9% better than anything that I shot in 2001, right? <laughs> on, on these DVD cam- on DV cameras and stuff, right? <laughs> but guess what? People don't use it. You know, you have like influencers and stuff like that. I think they come to learn, but you know, a lot of, a lot of, uh, of us, you know, quote unquote filmmakers, we still get hung up on just having to have, you know, all this equipment and this and that and other. And, and the reality is, I mean, practice your craft, man. You know, practice the craft because the better you can become at it, the better you can become at lighting and and especially knowing, you know, framing and stuff like that, you know, or, or learning how to communicate with your actors, right? Mm-hmm. All of that is just so important. And, and you'll get that. You can see that in the lens of, even if you're just shooting on an iPhone or you're shooting on a DSLR or something like that, you can get that, you know, and and quickly going to, you know, mentioning Prosper. So we're talking about Prosper. I have this movie. The movie came out recently, re-release Prosper. Mm-hmm. Um, and you guys, please go check it out. But understand, we shot Prosper. Kid you not. We shot Prosper for under $10,000. Okay. Wow. This is a full-length movie. They got into movie theaters. It it it, it uh, went all around the country. We were in seven states and thirty seven cities. Had a three week run. It got into the Cannes Film Festival film market. It was it was it had a premiere at the film market. Um, you know, and it's gone on now. It's it's gotten re released just about two weeks ago. It's on all the major digital platforms. You can go and download it and rent it and all this other stuff. But we shot this movie for less than ten ten thousand dollars. And we shot it with uh, two DSLR cameras. These are Canon cameras, right? Mm-hmm. What, we, what we did is we were able to upgrade the image by the experience and the expertise of the people that I brought in, who also knew the kinds of you know the kinds of lighting that was required, that knew the kinds of lenses that we would needed to get that really clean look and polished look that you want. And that's the thing that is separating then from now. I think the thing that is impacting the industry the most. It's just having the ability to produce content, produce movies, produce stuff that gives you that polished look that you just didn't have before. I agree with you 1000%, especially um, on your perspective in regards to practicing your craft. Um, So many artists struggle with that um, because most don't work into the industry full time. And it's just because, you know, A, they're starving artists and B... (laughs) Some of them have families and things like that, but I can see how that can really, you know, help to change and improve someone's style and motif. So, um, oh man, who is the best director of all time and why? Well, you mentioned James Cameron a while ago. Now I was thinking about this question. Um, Cameron is, uh, I, I would, I, I want to say Cameron, 
Oh, I, I want to say Cameron, but I'm gonna tell you who I think might have, might actually have him beat, is uh, George Lucas, right? Ah, uh, yes, yes, of course, of course. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And, and mm. The thing is, if if you if you know Lucas's story, it's it's as equally as intriguing as James Cameron's story, right? Mm -hmm. So to me, I think okay, I am um, I'm just a regular guy. Right, meaning that I'm a father, I'm a single dad. Um, you mm -hmm. know, I, I have life that goes on, life that happens. I wasn't born into wealth. I, I wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth. You know, mm -hmm. I, I didn't come from. I don't. In fact, I don't come from within the industry. I, I had to work my way into the industry. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. That said, um, when people like me, I'm speaking for myself. I have a great appreciation for those who have tread a similar walk. Right. That's James Cameron. That's George Lucas. That's these types of guys who weren't in the industry. They had to force their way into the industry, right? Mm -hmm. And once, and when you're outside of the industry, working your way in, you understand just how difficult it is to get in and break down those barriers, and to to realize any success at all, more or less the, the sort of success that these guys have, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So I would I, I would tip a lean just a little bit more towards George Lucas in the fact that. His in his career early on, he had some massive mis mishaps, massive mistake, uh, mis missteps, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, I think it was American Graffiti, right, where they pumped all this money behind this film and ended up ended up being a dud. It was a flop, right? Uh, his first and actually American Graffiti wasn't his first film. It was his first film flopped also. Again, they thought you know they thought it was going to be this big thing and it wasn't. So you turn around and this his third film that comes out, you now the he's he has to fight tooth tooth and nail to actually get the money to make this film, which turns out to be Star Wars, right? Mm -hmm. And they didn't they didn't believe in it. The studios didn't believe in it. In fact, they were about to scrap the movie because they couldn't see the vision for what he had put together. They thought it was a, a, a train wreck, right? So it was how this guy um, you know, I think uh navigated the landscape, his vision for what he had um, in the whole Star Wars franchise, because he had, he envisioned Star War, Wars, the the franchise, before a franchise was ever a thing, right? So mm -hmm. he was basically that that person that created that, created the whole motif of what what we consider now franchisable films or box office films, right? Mm -hmm. And so to me, like when you have that layer or that that depth of impact. Um, I mean, I can't do anything but tip my hat to you, as well as the fact that he's just, you know, his creativity and his his style and, and his just hit the overall, you know, the overall, um, I guess the, the, the strength of what he brings to the industry is, you know, it's, it's breathtaking. I agree. I agree. He's really, you know, you might as well say like uh, pushed the limits of reality and sci-fi. I think he set an example for individuals who choose to come out and create these sort of stories. Yes. Um, and looking at, <laughs> looking at Star Wars, you know, and the original ones, you can still watch it to this day and still have that same feeling, you know, yep. while watching it. So yep. yeah, his stuff is timeless. So I agree with you. And um, if you could put one major celebrity in one of your films which i'm sure you've dealt with so many by now who would it be and what would the film be about 
<laughs> I thought about that too. Okay, so uh, the question would be living or dead? Um, any any one of your choosing. It could be like your dream celebrity. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you who I always wanted to work with is not here anymore, and it's gonna sound a bit a bit odd, but Uh-oh. um, Richard Pryor. Ah, uh, okay, okay, no, that doesn't sound odd at all. I mean, he was a he just legendary, beyond legendary. So, uh, tell us why. So, you know, uh, I'm I'm a fan of comedy, right? And I, I, I in fact, if there's any genre that I like to write the most, it is comedy, right? If I, if I could. If I could carve out, you know, whatever I wanted to do, it would be in the comedy lane, right? If I could just live in that space for the rest of my life and work there, it would be that. Oh, wow. So, yeah, Richard Pryor, is his impact on comedy um, and his, uh, I think his, the way that he influenced people, the way that he influenced the genre, right? Mm-hmm. Um, to you know, to how he you know how he wrote and told his stories because that was really what he was known for, right? He was known for storytelling, and that's what I am at heart. At the, at the core of what I do, I'm a storyteller. I, I, I began as a writer, and mm-hmm. I, uh, you know, I, I, I've always understood the importance of the story and the essence of the story as it pertains to anything that I do um, that I'm making visually, right? That was prior. Prior, he had the uncanny ability to capture your your imagination with his stories, with his anecdotes, with his you know, and 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 he was and he was um, what I would say unfearing, right? Because mm-hmm. you know, he, mm-hmm. he, and it's in a time when um, you know, black folk, we weren't you know, we weren't given opportunities. We weren't, uh, you know, certain opportunities didn't exist for us. He went and he didn't care what he said and how he said it, right? He he broke down those barriers and forced his way through. And um, you know, if 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 I could work with Pryor, um, I had, you know, I, I swear to you, I had a I had a project that um, some years ago. This is well before he passed away. Mm-hmm. That I wanted that I wanted for him, uh, Denzel and Holly Berry, right? And it was mm-hmm. uh, it was it was a comedic piece about these these <laughs> these two guys, best friends who are both in love with the same woman, right? And Holly Berry being that character, and they're like, you know, it was like it's like a like a buddy story, but but you saw that you know she was basically using both of them, right? She's using manipulating both of them until the and basically pitting them against each other, and then till the end they they come to realize that what she's doing and then they it backfires on her it was really kind of a funny thing and maybe mm-hmm. i'll still get a chance to do it but i won't be i won't be able to do it with him i just you know i, I always wanted to have that opportunity this is well before he passed away but you know unfortunately that didn't happen well that's actually quite fine um i think comedy is definitely something that is quite rare to master you know not everyone can actually come onto the scene as a writer and truly master comedy or improv it or anything of that nature so i think um choosing richard Breyer, it it doesn't matter where you're from you can always connect to his comedy so that's awesome and if you had a 12 million dollar budget for film where would a vast portion of your budget go and why so um okay 
the, 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 and this is my opinion, where a lot of filmmakers make their mistake is they put a ton of money into the actors, right? Mm-hmm. And, and trying to get bankable stars. And there's nothing wrong with that per se, except for you have to be smarter about how you use your money these days, right? So in my opinion, I'm mm-hmm. gonna put the money on screen. And what that means is, is giving yourself the ability to create um, visually what you want versus being held to, to restrictions by having spent so much money on the actors, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if, for example, you spend $10 million to get your actors, you got two, you know, two, two key actors, which people would argue with me and they say, well, then you have bankable stars, you can sell them, blah, blah. Well, there's a smarter way to do it. There's twofold. One, you, you still get those bankable actors, but guess what? You get you put them in smaller roles. So mm-hmm. you don't necessarily need them for um, and you see this being done a lot now, but you don't need them for the, uh, you know, for the lead role. You, you put them in maybe, uh, you know, a supporting role or something like that, mm-hmm. you know, where you, where you only have to pay them, you know, $500,000. You're paying them $500,000 for a week, right? Mm-hmm. But you're going to put them in pivotal, pivotal scenes and then you're able to cut your trailer so that it looks as if they have a bigger influence on the film than they do, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, or another thing is you can hire, you know, influencers now. These YouTube influencers, TikTok influencers that carry, honestly, they carry as much, if not more, um, you know, uh, uh, bang for the dollar than going out and getting, uh, you know, some big actor who is, you know, who is not necessarily going to give you that, uh, you know, that, that, that ROI, you know, that return on your investment. So if it's me, I'm going to put... Uh, a significant portion of a much bigger chunk of my money toward the actual production. And then Mm -hmm. I'll say this lastly, I would also tell every single filmmaker, make sure you set aside at least 15% of your budget toward marketing, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because if people don't know about your film, then, you know, it has no place to go. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I've made that mistake and I, and again, this is just things I've learned. It's like set aside a good chunk of your money for, for marketing and, you know, and be able to go out and spend and get the eyeballs. I agree. I agree. So it's just all about making sure that you put some money aside for distribution, for streaming or whatever it is that you plan to do with your film. Um, you know, perhaps even hiring a marketing company, whatever actually works. So that's right. Yeah, yeah. And can you tell us about your most recent projects? Yes. Yeah, so um, the the so right now I'm working on um, a few different projects, but um, the mm-hmm. one that I'm most excited about. So so let me digress for one moment. Um, Prosper came out in twenty came out in twenty fifteen, right? That honestly set up a lot of what I'm doing now because it got me the exposure. You know, I've been in it for quite a while, but it got me really got me the exposure um, as a director, as you know, as a as a producer, especially here in Atlanta and Atlanta now being such a big hub for film and video production. Right. So we have several major studios here now. Well, because of, in large part, because of that, I've been able to go out and make these relationships with studios. And now I have studio deals and stuff like that. We're working on um, a few different projects for television, for streaming. Um, there's one with CeeLo Green we're working on um, that's kind of like um, 
uh, put you to mind of uh, the Wu Tang, like the Wu Tang TV show, right? Oh wow! Um, there's another. There's another project I'm working on um, that's in still in development, early stages, but with BB uh, King and his family, right? Um, so to tell the BB King story, or you know, there's a project I'm working on with the Indian community um, that is uh, it's a story that's um, it bridges the the the, the um, communities, I should say, uh, and cultures of the Indian community, Black community, and the Latino community here mm-hmm. in Atlanta, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so a few different projects, but the one I'm actually most excited about that we're about to wrap up on is, so my daughter, uh, Madison, she has a podcast called All Things Madison, right? It's on all the platforms. Uh, about six months, seven, eight months ago, we were approached by um, one of the, uh, well, PBS kids, uh, well, one of the reps for them, and they were interested in developing sh- the show for um, for streaming, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that led me, uh, and I, you know, I'm a I'm a producer. That I, I, you know, I, I have my own production company. That's what gives me. I really enjoy. It gives me the ability to be able to go out and shop, understand the industry, go out and shop my content, stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. So I went shopped it around and found a couple of um, distributors who have relationships with these major platforms like Hulu and um, Nickelodeon and, you know, uh, all these different, you know, uh, Roku and all this. And mm-hmm. they asked for a pilot um, of her of her uh, podcast being made for video, right? So for the last uh, about four and a half, almost five months now, we've been working on this pilot. What happened was we actually ended up adding in animation and all this other stuff and i don't know if you know about animation but that is long mm-hmm. and tedious right <laughs> yes so uh so yeah so we we're right now just about to wrap up the pilot and the pilot episode will get released and at that point you know we're going into our negotiations and stuff like that um but i'm excited because you know she's 10 years old she's been doing this now for almost three years she's had the opportunity to interview people like uh um Chris Pierman, which is Raven Simone's dad. She's interviewed a rocket scientist. She's interviewed um, an astronaut. She's interviewed, um, what do you say, uh, New York Times bestseller. She's you know, she's gone to some of the really most unique places to go behind the scenes and show expose kids to you know things that they haven't seen before, they haven't thought about, and that's that is our motive and um, ambition is to educate and inspire these kids. Um, and get them to think bigger, you know? And mm-hmm. so I'm just happy to be, you know, in a position to be able to, you know, to, to really uh, positively um, affect kids. And and most importantly, to help push my daughter into a path that can be something for her that, you know, creates longevity. What you're doing is absolutely awesome. You know, just actually looking at the youth, which I feel at this time in our society is gravely neglected, you yes. know, and to to uplift, to empower them, to give them that sort of knowledge. Um, I think it's absolutely necessary and amazing. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Oh, yeah, of course. Of course. So now I think I've officially become like your number one fan. So I need you (laughs) to tell everybody where can we find more about you and your work? Okay, so um, let me say this first. I I want to encourage the aspiring filmmakers out there, the writers, the uh, producers, the actors, because it is a very, very tough thing that you're attempting to do, but know that you can do it. Okay, that's first and foremost. Secondly, 
Um, I've been blessed to have an opportunity now to actually be able to rep filmmakers, right? And rep people that want to get into this industry um, and also coach them, right? So part of what I do is I tell filmmakers get their films onto platforms, get their films in, you know, get it out into the world, you know? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And the other part of what I do is I have to coach individuals that need the help. So what I would encourage people to do is one of two things, either one, they can learn more about me, learn about, you know, you can actually learn my story, the, my bio, everything's there, right? Um, go to the expertprocess.com. Now, I have a um, I have a podcast by the same name. It's the Expert Process Podcast. So if you go and listen to that, you can hear all kinds of juicy tidbits from professionals from all, you know, film professionals from all different um, stages of the, you know, of the of the game. Um, but if you go to the expertprocess.com, you can learn about it. You can learn about me and you can contact me there. Or if you want to learn more about me on the creative side, right? You can go to my URL, which is DeronteSmith.com. That's D-E-R-O-N-T-E Smith, S-M-I-T-H.com. And in either of those two places, you can reach out to me. Um, they come, they come to me with different emails. So I would, I wouldn't be able to track and know where you come from, but um, yeah, I would encourage people, you know, feel free to reach out to me. You can learn more about me. And if you want to learn about the movie Prosper, you can go to uh, Facebook. Our, our uh, fan page is Prosper the Movie. But if you just go to any of your, um, you know, anywhere where you rent movies and download movies and stuff like that, it's there. The, the exception is Netflix. It's not on Netflix yet, but anywhere else it's Prosper. Um, movie just was re-released. It's a supernatural thriller that's going to shake you out of your boots and have you quaking <laughs> and probably not sleep at night. That's my goal is to, is, is to keep you up at night. <laughs> that's the mission. That's the mission. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, I'm definitely going to check it out. Guys, please follow him and check out all of his projects as well as um, books, webinars, anything that he has going on because it is guaranteed to teach you something, to uplift you, and to definitely be a game changer for your career all right you guys so it was such a pleasure having you in and i thank all of you at home for listening in if you have a topic or story that you wish to discuss or if you have a story that you wish to promote please visit us online at www.visit theexchange.com. Feel free also to follow us on Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Apple Podcast. Thank you all so very much and have a great night. Thank you so much, Mr. Durante. Thank you, Marchioness. Have a great day.